Some wonder how a believer, a real believer, could begin acting like a Pharisee. Pastor Ray Bentley comments. How does such a person who memorizes scripture to be able to share at any given moment, at any particular time, the gospel concerning Jesus Christ and leads many people to the Lord, how could such a one drift into being a Pharisee? By judging all the other Christians who aren't doing exactly the same thing that I'm doing. Why don't they have the same burden for the lost? Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. There are some who don't walk as closely with the Lord as they know they should, but there are others that are on fire. They pray, they study, they fellowship, they evangelize, but sometimes they feel a little superior. They can become judgmental. Today, Pastor Ray helps us recognize that danger as we look at the Pharisees. Okay, uh, Mark chapter eight, we're gonna look at verses 11 through uh, 21. And beginning in verse 11, it says, and then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he, Jesus, sighed deeply in his spirit. And he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given this generation. Now, what I want to do tonight is from the Gospel of Mark, I'm, I'm going to bring together uh, from the Gospel of Matthew the same story because Matthew adds a little color, a little detail uh, to the story. It wasn't just the Pharisees who came this night, but it was also the Sadducees. <laughs> um, in fact, today, if you call somebody a Pharisee, how many would agree that's probably, that's not a good thing. If you're called a Pharisee, you're narrow-minded, you're um, judgmental, you're critical, and so forth. But I do want to say this. How do you spot a Pharisee? And, and I guess to make the application tonight, we're going to use that term Pharisee as something that, that is generally not positive and something to be avoided. Uh, how do you spot a Pharisee? <laughs> and it's not just that we want to look at other people. Because the biggest blind spot of all is for people who love God and who want to worship Him and who go to church regularly and who want to honor the Lord to have a blind spot and without even realizing it, you look down on other people who are not like you and you judge them and you have a critical spirit toward them. So how to spot a Pharisee means beginning with, Lord, have I developed in any way in my heart and life some attitude that, that is like a Pharisee and that is not honoring to you. Well, here's the first thing that you'll, you'll find. You're looking for a fight and you want an argument. Then the Pharisees came out, verse 11, and began to dispute <laughs> with him. Who, is he, who are they disputing with? Jesus. They're arguing with the Messiah. Let me just say, when you're arguing with Jesus, you all, you're on the wrong side of that ledger. And then secondly, looking down on others. That's another way. If you begin looking down on a certain group of people or a particular flaw, sin, weakness, uh, lack of character, whatever, 
And here's, here's the real problem when we drift into the attitude of uh, the Pharisees there. There's no compassion. There's no heart. This is not the heart of our Heavenly Father. Now, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And we are growing up into the full maturity of Jesus Christ, the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let me tell you what that nature is in you by the Holy Spirit. God loves the world. God loves people. God loves all of them. His heart yearns for them. His soul reaches out for them. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of him. That's why the Father sent the Son. That's why Jesus left heaven. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That should be our heart. The first instinct of, a, of when you are filled with the Spirit for people, whether they are struggling uh, disciples, whether they are having fears and anxieties and doubts and questions is not condemnation and not looking down and not judging and not being critical, uh, but it is having love and having mercy and having compassion over and over and over and over again. Jesus was surrounded with people that followed him for the wrong reasons. They wanted another meal. They wanted another miracle. They wanted to be entertained. They had shallow reasons. And yet Jesus, over and over again, it says he was moved with compassion for them. He loved them. And as a shepherd, he kept feeding them and kept loving them and kept ministering to them. And little by little, he began to draw out those who were hungry for him and and who did become disciples. And even those who were with him every day for three and a half years, it took some of them years to grow into the full maturity before they became martyrs for him because they had the same love. So why Pharisees were looking down, this is mind-boggling. How arrogant do you have to be to look down at Jesus? (laughs) That's the Pharisees. They looked down at him. And why did they look down upon him? Because he was different from them. Not in his beliefs, in the law and in the word of God, but in how he followed it, how he applied it to his life. And yet, at the same time, let me say again about the Pharisees, there was no one in ancient uh, times in the land of Israel who was more committed to the Scripture. There was no other kind of Jewish people more zealous to defend God's glory than the ancient Pharisees. And yet, when the Messiah showed up, here were their accusations. He doesn't really seem to care about sin. He doesn't seem to care about sinners. In fact, his whole demeanor seems he's soft on sin. That was the accusation against the Messiah. He seems overly accommodating to all of these people whom we know are living as hypocrites all through the week. And now because there's signs and wonders, they're following him. But they judge the people who were following Jesus. Jesus didn't judge them. He was happy that they were following him. He knew them. He knew that there were a variety of reasons. He knew that many of them were shallow. He knew that they were following maybe just for the signs, and yet he still loved them. He still healed them. He still touched them. He still blessed them. He did not get discouraged from that. They considered Jesus overly accommodating to the masses. And then they judged his spirituality, and they said, 
It's really not even that holy because of the kind of people that he hangs around. And that, of course, we know well. So looking down on others, that is a sign that either in ourselves or among others uh, that the spirit of a Pharisee is rising. The third one is they prejudged Jesus. Now, what's interesting here in the Gospel of Mark, verse 11, it says, Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. Now, the Pharisees, you need to know this. When they said, we want to see another sign, they did not want to see another sign so they could test him to see if they would believe in his claim to be the Messiah. You need to understand this. These Pharisees had already decided and judged that Jesus was not the Messiah. And the reason that they were now entering into a dialogue with him was not so that they could be convinced, but was so that they could trap him and prove that he wasn't the Messiah and get all these people from following him and to get them away. They weren't really interested in another sign. They were actually looking for evidence that would support their claim that they were more spiritual even than he was because he was not like them. So here's where we have to be careful. In the way that they applied, you know, Jesus had the law. He is the only one who lived the law. They had the law. They followed it. Jesus didn't follow it exactly the way they did. And so therefore they judged him. Now, within the body of Christ, there may come within us at certain times, within the body, uh, there may be some that give a, all of a sudden they have a passion for evangelism. Every person they see that isn't saved, they want to witness to them and they give them a tract and they were sharing scriptures with them and they're memorizing because they want to share the gospel with them. And they have a burning passion uh, for the lost. That's good. How many would agree that's good? How does such a person who memorizes scripture to be able to share at any given moment, at any particular time, the gospel concerning Jesus Christ and leads many people to the Lord, how could such a one drift into being a Pharisee? By judging all the other Christians who aren't doing exactly the same thing that I'm doing. Why don't they have the same burden for the lost? Why don't they have the same passion? Why aren't they memorizing these scriptures? And very subtly and very slowly, you begin to look down on those who do not have the same passion for evangelism. But there's another one that comes along and says, well, yeah, great. I've seen the crusades and all the people that come down, but how many of them actually stick it out? Evangelism isn't the problem. We've got all kinds of people walking and saying things and saying prayers and making decisions. That's not the real issue. The real issue is discipleship. That's what the church isn't doing. We're not making disciples. We need to focus on discipleship. So everybody that they find that is a Christian and maybe nominal or whatever, they say, you need to get in and and really get serious and get a class. And they, they begin to, now, that's great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. A man or a woman that has a passion and a burden and a desire, and they're using all their gifts and skills and energy to disciple everyone that God brings into their path is marvelous. How could such a one drift into becoming a Pharisee? by simply looking at others and saying, they don't seem to have the same passion as I do for making disciples. They're not really teaching people how to go deeper into the word and have a daily devotional life. And so they're not like you. Are, Are you getting, does this, do you see what I'm saying? Has anyone heard of the body of Christ? Is, are we all a mouth? 
Are we all the ears? Are we all the eyes? Are we all a hand? And, and so this is something that has been a problem and a, a weakness, a vulnerability of God's sons and daughters who are zealous for the good things and the right things. We are to grow from little baby infants to the full maturity of the measure of the stature of Christ. We have those that are judging different kinds of churches. If you're really going to be a holy church, you got to be this kind of church. Uh, And there's all kinds of words about it, and and it can be big, it can be, or no, it's got to be small, or no, it's got to be this way or that way. Hey, there's going to be many mansions in heaven, different styles. God knows you. Everything is tailored to you individually. And the Lord loves each one of us. Unwittingly, the Pharisees ended up judging, looking down upon Jesus. And therefore, they fell into their own trap. They exposed by judging Jesus their own pride and prejudice. As they pointed the finger at him, they were really only pointing at themselves. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We really enjoy hearing when Pastor Ray's teaching and preaching touches lives. Dear Maranatha Chapel, thank you so much for your ministry. I really appreciate Pastor Ray's daily devotions and the online worship. Thank you also for your prayers of protection. God bless each and every one of you and your loved ones. And we thank that listener for those uplifting words. How have Pastor Ray's studies in God's Word each day encouraged you? Would you write him and tell him your story? Send Pastor Ray an email at ray at raybentley.com. That's Ray at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, I put this also in your notes. um, Something to meditate and to think upon. A great test for our true spirituality is how we respond to those with whom we disagree. There can be different emphasis. There can be different things. and, And the Lord loves us all. And he loves and appreciates each and every one and we need every member of the whole body of Christ. By the way, how did Jesus respond to their criticism? And I told you I would go back between Matthew and Mark and the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, verse four. Here's what Jesus also said. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. In other words, it is way past the time where they should demand another sign. This is actually where we are in Mark. I know we're in chapter eight. We're already well, well deep into his three-year ministry or three-and-a-half-year ministry. Way past time where they need to demand another sign. By this time, Jesus has already performed hundreds and thousands of miracles, healings, feedings, to testify to the truth of who he was. What was the real truth? Only a wicked and adulterous generation could possibly ask for another sign. And the one sign that he did give them, as Matthew records, is the sign of Jonah. Now, does this mean Jesus stopped doing miracles and healings? No, he did. But he knew that there was no number of miracles and healings that would satisfy these Pharisees and these Sadducees. 
So he said, but there's going to be one more that's, it's not a healing and it's not a miracle in the normal sense. This is going to be your sign. And this will ultimately be the one that either you stumble over and are lost or you will humble yourself upon. It is the sign of Jonah. Jonah chapter two, verse six says, yet you have brought up my life. This is Jonah himself. You have brought up my life from the pit. And that word pit is a Jewish idiom for the grave and death. When Jesus said, you get one more sign, it's the last sign and it's the great sign. If you don't get this, you're gonna be lost. The great sign of Jonah was therefore the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And it is significant and it's very interesting that for traditional Jews, the sign of Jonah is meditated on, contemplated once a year on the holiest day of the year in the Jewish calendar. And that's on Yom Kippur, otherwise known as the Day of Atonement because it's on Yom Kippur that every Jew, every year for the last 2,000 years and even this year reads the book of Jonah. They are reading the sign of Jonah who died in the pit of the whale or the great fish and then on the third day was resurrected. That's what happened with Jesus. Now look with me in verses 13 through 21 and we'll just close with this tonight. In verse 13 it says, and Jesus left them and getting into the boat again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Now they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. <laughs> Jesus is angry, we didn't bring bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, don't you see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves or the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said 12. And also when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Jesus was, he was marveling. He goes, I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm talking about the leaven, which is a type of the sin or the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Leaven is how you make bread. It's the yeast. Um, which is essential to making bread. How is leaven a type of sin? Two things. Number one, it puffs up. And two, it permeates. So that's a good type of sin. Sin puffs up and it permeates. It's a powerful symbol. Every year at Passover, uh, the Jews go through their house and they have get all the leaven out of the house. Remember? Get all the leaven out. What is that symbolic of? Get all the sin out of your house, remove the leaven from the homes. It was a reminder for them to cleanse your lives. Why? Because death is gonna pass over you tonight. A mighty substitute is gonna die tonight and its blood will be shed tonight, which was meant for you, but you're gonna be spared. You're gonna be alive as it were from the dead and you will pass over into a glorious land of promise and I will be with you and my presence will be with you. So get the leaven out of your life. So sin, what is the sin? Let's close tonight with this practical little analogy. What is the sin of being then a Pharisee? Number one is pride. What is pride? 
It's whenever you look at any other human being and say, well, I'm better than them. Or another way of saying that is, thank God I'm not them. That's what, you know, the two that went in, they're praying, and the one guy, he knows I'm a loser, I'm a slacker, and he's pounding on his chest, God forgive me, I'm a sinner. He doesn't even expect anything. And Jesus says, that guy's prayer was heard. He was completely forgiven. Then the guy that came in that's worked so hard, he knows the scriptures, he's trying, he's doing all the right things, and he goes, oh, I feel so good. Thank you, God, that I'm not as these other men. And Jesus says, God didn't hear his prayer. His prayer was not answered because he had self-righteousness. You know, on our best day, that you thought, I didn't, I didn't do any sins today, that I, think I, I didn't think I did anything on your best day, compared to the holiness and the righteousness of God. You have not seen God if you think you are without sin. When you see, it's like Isaiah the prophet, when he saw the glory of the Lord, <gasps> he was a priest, he was a holy man, he followed the law, he loved God, he read the scriptures, he taught others in the synagogue, and he saw the glory of God and he said, <gasps> I'm a man of unclean lips. If I speak, it's sin compared to the holiness of God. We are saved by the amazing grace of God, by the amazing love of God. And you know what, this, this is very, very, I find it very encouraging uh, that sometimes in our, in our genuinely right intentions to want to personally be good and right and holy and make others good and right and holy, we are so hard on ourselves. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus looks at those who are weak and those who are in their own minds failing and struggling and wrestling and with doubts. And he goes, right on, right on, go, go Ray, go. He calls you by name and he says, I love it. Because you, you see the truth that you are weak and that you need me, you let me in. When you're proud, you don't need God, you're on your own. Self-righteousness, which is really no righteousness at all. The most beautiful place to be is where you know who you are and you can be open and honest with God and it's okay. And know that he loves you and that he will do for you what you cannot do for yourself and do in you what you cannot do in yourself and do through you what you cannot do for yourself. That's why Paul the apostle who was a Pharisee, he said, my righteousness, it, it is like dung. It is nothing compared to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Paul was set free from the mindset of a Pharisee to one who had love and compassion. And he said, now my heart yearns for people like a father. My spirit yearns for people like a mother with love, with patience, with grace, with tenderness, with compassion, with long suffering. I'm not beating the sheep but a shepherd feeds the sheep, he leads the sheep. We should be loving and gentle toward one another. Hallelujah. Pastor Ray Bentley with important counsel on showing others love because of the love Christ has demonstrated toward us. Good insight today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled Attitude Check. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. 
When you first arrive at our homepage, when you click Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books, On the Mountain of the Lord, and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on our site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.